Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. Brought to you by Blue Sky Business Consulting. We discuss five questions in about 15 minutes. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. We're glad that you spend some time with us every week. I'd like to introduce our guest today. This is Jared Reimer. He is the founder and CTO of Cascadio out of Mercer Island, Washington. Jared, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking time. What would you like the audience to know about Cascadio? Yeah, and absolutely thank you for having me on the show. Um, so Cascadio is a 16-year-old company, um, primarily based out of uh, Seattle, but with extensive operations in the Philippines. We are a Gartner Magic Quadrant company for public cloud IT transformation services. We are also the company behind the Cascadio AI platform that is used for uh, managing cloud deployments. So we are a premier AWS consulting partner and managed services partner. Uh, we offer AWS resale, and really our specialty is helping companies thoughtfully adopt cloud rather than lift and shift. So most of the companies that do cloud migrations, they just move the VMs over the wire. We take a totally different approach. Um, we take a data-driven approach to thoughtful cloud migration and platform adoption, as opposed to just bulk migration that really yields suboptimal outcomes for customers. So cloud transformation is our forte. All right. Wow. That's that's a big one these days. More and more people obviously go into the cloud. So that's a great service that you're providing there. Great. All right. Well, let's jump to our questions. And our first question, Jared, as you've been kind of helping to build the company here over the last 16 years, what's a challenge that you've overcome that you're especially proud of? Yeah. So, I mean, there've been lots of them, right? Our running joke is that the cat must be on its ninth life by now, and yet somehow it's still around. Um, but I can tell you, hands down, this was an easy one. Um, we we made it through the pandemic without laying a single person off. And I am wow. really proud of that because that was not easy. So our largest customer, when things went wrong, was a major airline. And their revenues dropped to zero on no notice. And yeah. our revenues dropped dramatically. And we were in the middle of negotiating an acquisition and major investment from the company that is now the majority owner of our company. Um, And all of a sudden the whole world blows up, right? And I remember thinking, if I can get one thing right, it's gonna be, you get the ship through the storm, it's gonna be ugly, but you keep your people, you keep them taken care of, you give them some stability. Um, And we did it. We managed to make it through the whole nightmarish thing not that it's over, but the worst of it seems to be. Um, yeah. And we didn't we didn't cut a single staff member and not all of the other companies out there can say that. Uh, that came with great sacrifice, but uh, I think it was the right thing to do. And I certainly don't regret the, the decision. And we managed to close the transaction in November of 2020 while we were dealing with this revenue challenge and global uncertainty. And we made it into the Gartner Magic Quadrant in the middle of this too. So we actually accomplished a lot during the pandemic, even though it was a really, really difficult time. That's really impressive because you're right. Not everybody can uh, say even half of what you just described, you know, major breakthroughs in your technology and, and products, op- product offerings, and then also retaining your people. That was huge. That's impressive. Well, I'm really glad that you were able to accomplish that. Question number two, how can leaders help to foster and nurture creativity within their team? Okay, so this is obviously going to vary a lot by the line of business and industry, but in our industry, this is all about thinking, right? It's it's mind work. It's not uh, physical, you know, implementations. Like in the old days, we did data centers and network engineering with cables and racks, and these days, it's all online. Um, so we found that because of the pandemic and even before the pandemic. Uh, 
focusing on becoming a results-oriented work environment is really, really important. And by this, I mean how you accomplish the specific outcome the business needs, as long as it's ethical, legal, appropriate, is less important than accomplishing the outcome. If you focus on outcomes and you hire smart, you will actually manage people less. And if you find yourself actively managing someone or some aspect of the business day after day, you have to ask if you have the right leadership in that, de that, that department or that role, because uh, trust and confidence are everything, right? If you can't trust that the person running that part of the business is going to achieve the outcome that the business needs, and you find yourself constantly stepping in or stepping over or stepping on or second guessing, those are very bad signs, right? The other thing, uh, we actively allocate time and budget for tools, for training, for experimentation. If you expect your people to be billable all the time, like in a professional services firm, that leaves no time for training, certification, exploration, research and development, and it guarantees burnout. So we always have an active R&D effort. Uh, we have our Cascadia OAI SaaS platform. We have other projects around generative AI where we're trying really hard to make sure everyone in the company understands that technology. Um, and then the other thing is uh, we're big on feedback, right? We're really big on getting feedback from within the team to the leadership, to their managers, to senior leadership. We want to make it easy and frictionless for everybody to contribute ideas. And we want to visibly reward and empower people that bring new ideas, regardless of whether they're brand new and just getting a foot in the door, or they've been here 16 years or anything in between. We place a really high value on uh, field foot feedback, ideas from the people that are doing the work. Uh, we're not a central command and control Soviet style you know, pyramid, right? We are the opposite of that. We like the decentralized model. I love that. And something that you said uh, towards the middle there that I really appreciated was your effort to kind of make space, both budget allowance, but also time allowance mm -hmm. to avoid burnout. That's a huge issue. And people are just always at the grindstone. They lose that creativity and then it becomes routine and then they're not having as much fun and not not contributing like they could. So I love that you guys are are trying really hard to make space and time and budget and all those things for your employees to contribute and to come up with ideas, provide feedback, that kind of that frictionless feedback that you were talking about. Fantastic. I love hearing that. Let's go on to number three. Uh, the, the, what, something that you kind of mentioned a little bit ago about trust. That word trust came, to, came out just a little bit. How can leaders help their team members to trust each other? So that's a great question. And I think to a large degree, it's it's a similar concept, right? So if you have a results-oriented work environment where people are judged on outcomes, and if team projects are judged on the project outcome, which in our case would be like client satisfaction, client retention, growth of the client relationship, uh, the team has to learn how to work together and trust each other. Part of that is we believe in radical transparency. So you know how your team members are doing. You know if they're contributing. You know if they're showing up because you can see it. We believe in a relatively flat org chart. So we don't want 10 layers of management. We want even the people that are in management roles to treat each other like peers and coworkers and not like who reports to who reports to who. Sometimes you have to have a chain of command. Like, you know, there's always going to be difficult circumstances where someone has to make a call. But if you trust the people that you work with, you don't have to agree with every decision. You do have to trust the team, right? We use Slack very extensively all day, every day. Uh, we run 24-7. So Slack is our tool for continuous communication and collaboration and visibility. 
We do regular co-working events in Manila and in Seattle to try to get the team together. We do team building events. Uh, these are usually an offsite where maybe we do like an adventure thing on the weekend and go do something fun. One time we rented out a whole dive resort and went and chased whale sharks in the rural Philippines and nice. took half the company out into the field. Um, and then the last thing, this is actually something I learned from one of our clients. And this is probably the most important one. Peer feedback is mandatory. Anybody in the company is required to hear that feedback and consider it from anybody else in the company. You're not expected or required to agree with it, but you're not allowed to ignore it, dismiss it, or just refute it without giving it some thought. You also have to thank the person for providing you with the feedback, even if you didn't particularly like it, because even negative feedback is valuable and important. And even if you're upset at the moment, you might reflect on it, or you might later on come to realize that perhaps there was something of value there. Creating a culture where feedback is expected and where you're not allowed to just brush it off and say that you're too busy or too important, that is very important. And that has served us very, very well. So I'm always asking for feedback, always, all the time. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. Tell me how I could be doing better. And when you get people to do that with each other and they feel comfortable doing that and they feel like it's not going to cost them their job or people are going to hate them or whatever, uh, I think you'll you'll see real magic happen. So I got to thank one of my clients for that bit of advice. Uh, we use that all day, every day now. I love that because you created a very structured system and set some expectations for your team members to say, hey, provide feedback and be honest about it. And then when you're on the receiving end of it, I love that you say, or you tell them to say thank you. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, just... e even if you totally disagree, thank you for the yeah. feedback. I appreciate it. I will take the time to consider it. You might be thinking you're completely off your rocker and I don't agree with I... you, but you still have to thank the person for taking the, the initiative and the time and the, the risk, a little bit of political capital risk, to yeah. go out there and say, hey, I, I see something you're working on and I just have a thought for how you could do it better or how the company could do it better. Or, hey, what about this one random thing that I saw that I didn't like or appreciate? Like an environment that fosters that kind of confidence where people feel like they're allowed to do that and expected to do that is a totally different uh, vibe than the giant pyramid where everyone knows their place and doesn't step out of the box, right? Right. No, I think that's great suggestions all the way around. So thank you for sharing those. Question number four, is there a challenge that uh, you guys maybe you've run into or that you've run into that maybe at first it kind of felt like a failure, but you turned it into a win? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, this is pre-pandemic. Um, we landed our first major account in Asia. So historically, most of our business has been in North America. And it's the largest telecoms company in the Philippines where most of our delivery staff resides. So this is a big deal, right? And the project gets off to a rocky start and I was the last to know. So there were project, there were problems with scoping, with the approach, with the strategy, with service delivery. Some of our people weren't showing up and I had no idea. And one day I was in Manila and the client called me in and said, we need to meet. And I was leaving the next morning and I said, okay. And so five o'clock on a Friday or whatever, I go in there and I'm completely blindsided and learned that things were not going well. Um, and it wasn't clear if it was because the people on our side were oblivious or were not being forthcoming with the problems, but it felt hopeless, right? I mean, because I, I literally was the last to know. Yeah. Much to my great surprise, the client gave us another chance, which they did not have to do. And then we did great work. 
And then we met the head of the enterprise group. And then we decided to join forces. And we decided we were going to become partners. So we went from fumbling embarrassingly, like we're usually, we're usually A plus excellence all the way. And this was not our finest work. And they forgave it and they gave us another chance and we turned it around and now we are partners. Then ah. the pandemic strikes. So right as we put the deal together, okay, but before it closes, everything goes horribly wrong. There's catastrophic impact to the economy, especially in the Philippines. They have like a negative 12% GDP year. Unlike the U.S., they can't just print trillions of dollars and give it away. So it, big hit there. Uh, big hit to our revenues with the largest client. Um, you know, we, we worked so hard on this deal and we thought we've came, we come so far and it's all going to fall apart. We couldn't get the U.S. government to approve it because we needed regulatory approvals. Couldn't get that done. And against all odds, in November of 2020, before there even was a deployable vaccine, we actually closed the deal with the company that we almost got fired by. Wow. And they've been a fantastic partner to us and to our team ever since. They have taken such good care of our people, our company, our customers. And I'm proud to say that together we've actually built the first Gartner Magic Quadrant company in the Philippines and the only AWS premier consulting partner with its fulfillment and delivery in the country. So other companies have a sales office. We actually have the team there that actually does the work. So there's my story of, you know, turning a, a failure into a positive, right? Uh, they went from nearly firing us in, in a state of complete like horror show humiliation to becoming our strongest and most loyal partners. So pretty proud of that one. Great story, that's a great experience. Congratulations on the success. Congratulations on overcoming the challenge to, to make it a success. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. to be clear, though, that that was a lot of hard work by a lot of people. That was a all hands on deck because we don't fail, right? Even if we lose money, I'm happy to lose money. I am not happy to have a customer go away mad. Like I need every customer to go away. Worst case saying, you know what? They did everything they could. They tried as hard as they could. They went above and beyond. Maybe it still wasn't quite perfect, but you can't say they didn't try. To me, that is very, very important because reputationally, given what we do, you know, it's one of those things where if you get a reputation as being uh, just, you know, quick lift and shift and get out and move on to the next deal, uh, you know, the smart people in the industry know that. Um, we've built our business largely based on trust and referral and yeah. doing the right thing, even when it's not profitable is what you do. Oh, I love it. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you again for sharing that story. That's a, it's just a great example of, you know, because we all run into that. We have those things staring us in the face that we think are a huge failure, but you got to find a way to turn it into a win. And you did. So you and your company, well done. Well, our last question then, question number five, tell us a little bit about your first job. Yeah. Um, so my first real job was when I was a freshman at the University of Washington. They had internet access for students, and I'm going to date myself a little bit here. This was the early dial-up era. And much to my horror, despite it being a public uh, education, you know, higher learning institution, uh, they censored or blocked a lot of the Usenet news groups. And I considered this to be completely inappropriate and felt that it was, you know, denying me access to all of these creative, interesting people that had all sorts of random ideas. This was before Twitter and Facebook and all of that. Uh, and so I found a local ISP in Seattle. I became a systems administrator. Uh, we built that ISP up. I became the VP of operations. 
We built a whole bunch of custom infrastructure on top of Silicon Graphics, IRIX. I don't know if you remember SGI back in the day. Uh, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of modems and phone lines and spaghettis of cabling. Um, and then during the transition to DSL and cable, we sold it to a roll-up play. And I went on to work there. And then I ended up, ended up running that company. And on a sad note, our country has gone from 7,000 independent internet service providers to about seven. And one has to ask the question of where do they all go? And it's a very long, sad story that basically boils down to follow the money. It turns out there is one industry other than defense that gives inordinate amounts of money to uh, politicians on both sides of the aisle. And would you be surprised to learn that it is the cable television industry? So if you wonder why most places like my community have exactly one choice for broadband, take it or leave it, and sky high pricing that's completely out of whack with the rest of the world, it is because the government has granted the cable industry something resembling a de facto monopoly over residential broadband. To me, this is absolutely uh, appalling and it destroyed an entire industry. And the worst part of it is, I don't even think the people making the laws understood what they were doing. So now, instead of competing for your business, you go and beg and grovel for them to sell you at whatever price they want. And half the time the thing is broken and their level of consideration is similar to like IRS customer service. It's that bad. So tragedy, but yeah, I got my start in the ISP era and uh, have very fond memories of the early internet before Facebook and you know the rest of them took over, especially TikTok. To me, that that's the most appalling of them all, but that's a story for another day. Fair enough. Well, Jared, thank you so much. I really appreciate you bringing that, first of all, to our attention, but also all of the other experiences and insights that you've shared today. I really appreciate your time. How can uh, people find you? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah. Um, so our website is Cascadeo, C-A-S-C-A-D-E-O.com. Um, I'm Jared, J-A-R-E-D at Cascadio.com. I'm also really active on LinkedIn. It's the only social network worth using at this point. Um, and my LinkedIn name is Jared Reimer. So you can search for me there. Um, and I would highly encourage you if you're not a LinkedIn user, uh, I personally learn a lot from really smart, influential people on LinkedIn. And at this point, you know, why bother with any of the rest of it? It's the signal to noise ratio is too low. So LinkedIn is my preference, but you're welcome to email me, Jared at uh, cascadio.com anytime. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And as always, we thank everybody for joining us and we look forward to our next episode. Thanks so much. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. We also invite you to follow or subscribe to our podcast wherever you may be listening or watching. Is your business thriving? Go to tbs-score.com to find out. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great day.